is Revelations Radio News with Andrew Hoffman and Tim Kilkenny on the Revelations Radio Network. Podcasting to you from the sunny forest of Meadowdale, Washington, where I have just cashed out my 401k and put it all in Dogecoin. I am one of your hosts, and my name is Tim Kilkenny. And from Cascade Locks, Oregon, where I'm podcasting lies via saying true things, I'm Andrew Hoffman. Lies via saying true things. That's That's the new thing. That's all. That's like that's that's that's, the new, that's what we do. It's like tough to censor when people are telling the truth, but they're uh, they're telling lies by telling the truth. So yeah, I mean they're not they're not the government sanctioned truth lies. This was a just regular. It lies. was a, a a great uh, NPR clip on No Agenda today. Oh, good, good. Yeah. I'll have to I'll have to check it out. Uh, Dogecoin is down. Where's Dogecoin? So, have you followed this Dogecoin madness at all? Yeah, but, you know, on No Agenda Social, there is a poll question. Is this, you know, have Dogecoin and Bitcoin already hit their peaks? And I'm like, why are you lumping those two in together? Yeah. Dogecoin, as far as I know, and I want everyone to understand something right now. If we have crypto like crazy like like super crypto nerds in our in our uh in our listeners and our supporters please send me an email explain to me what in the world is happening because in for reasons i'll get into later in this episode i'm starting to have a lot more interest in cryptocurrencies and i think that uh you know the writing's on the wall for the federal reserve system and maybe maybe this whole bitcoin thing was a great idea in the first place the only thing that makes it valuable is if we all choose it has value. So I'm sure with that, uh, there's a lot of, you know, at this point, it's almost confusing the wallets and the stuff. And the, but I well, want to learn and I want to learn fast. So uh, I'm, I'm trying to catch up. If anybody out there wants to give me a rundown, I am uh, very open to that. Uh, as a matter of fact, we put XRP, uh, Bitcoin and uh, BAT basic attention tokens from the Brave browser. Uh, all on the donation site or the support tab of our website. And on there, I was hoping that people, if they would have decided to give in those forms, they could show it to us. And then people are writing me, hey, XRP's New World Order. And I'm like, well, that's cool. I, I need to understand more. I did know that the Ripple CEO was going to Davos and stuff like that. So my thoughts were, um, you know, maybe this is something that's going to become real at some point. So get in early. I don't know. But I would love to hear from everybody out there. Uh, my workplace has kind of been overwhelmed with doge fever. <laughs> oh, really? There's a, yeah, there's a couple guys at my work who... That's a bad uh, sign. It, <laughs> well, okay, it all started with this one guy, uh, and he's like, hey, I'm going to buy doge, and then the next day he was up like, I don't know, 50 bucks out of the 100 or 200 he put in it. And so he was all excited, so he started telling other people who started to get into it. And then this guy from the back came up front, and he's looking at stuff, and he's just... What are you guys looking at? And I said, well, I was looking at Dogecoin. It's kind of an interesting deal. And uh, you know, I got this one crypto nerd at my at my job. Uh, he knows who he is in case he ever listens to the show. But he's always like, 
there's no white paper on Doge. It's just a meme stock. It's all right. just featured. It's based off of nothing. Don't do it. This is a horrible investment. And yes. the other two, the other two all guys true. kept the, <laughs> the other two guys just kept laughing and putting more and more money into it. Uh, but the guy from the back comes up. He says, "Oh yeah, yeah. I put a couple hundred bucks back in that in September." He's at like twenty four thousand dollars right now. <laughs> it's like but he put it back when it was like a fraction of a penny, and now yeah. he's he's up a bunch of money. So well, uh, but here's the I, thing. I, hold on, hold on, Andrew. I am interested. I am looking. I am reading. I am watching. I have downloaded Coinbase and Uphold. I am looking at charts. I have been playing the stock market for a couple of years now. I am interested. I have not put a single penny in Dogecoin. Not a penny. I have put actual pe- pennies and dollars into Bitcoin and other uh, uh, cryptos that I think are, uh, have some promising uh, fe- futures and, and things. But uh, yeah, I just I'm just not on board with the Doge thing. It pretty much was make or break based on whatever Elon tweets out that day. So I'm not the biggest Elon go Elon guy. Elon Musk in the same well, world. But it it literally is a joke. <laughs> yeah, I know. Yeah, it's created as a joke. Doge is a cryptocurrency that was created as a joke. Its name is a reference to a popular internet meme. It shares many features with Litecoin. However, unlike Litecoin, there is no hard cap on the number of Doge Doge coins that can be produced. Litecoin, also, by the way, I've read a little bit about. Seems like an interesting one. Um, yeah, yeah. So that's not good. I don't think not good. No. No, but it's not good. In is fact, all the money it, going? It, in all fact, the money... it's the exact opposite of what people say is good about Bitcoin. Yeah, that you can't just make more of it. Like the Federal Reserve can just print, just print more money. And there, there's a key difference between Dogecoin and the U.S. dollar. Uh, you can pay taxes with the U.S. dollar. So that's that's what give gives fiat currency value is the ability to pay taxes with with said fiat currency. And what? yeah, I, you know, I what I guess what I'm worried about is, um, you know, people are gonna buy Dogecoin because it still seems cheap. It's only like twenty one cents, or it's only yeah. forty cents, or whatever. Yeah. It's like, no, this thing should be like a tenth of a penny, and it will be a tenth of a penny, like... <laughs> meanwhile, there's in whales... In two weeks, probably. Meanwhile, yeah. there's whales dumping money into other stuff, like millions and billions of dollars into different uh, cryptos out there. Yeah. And some of those could be, obviously, institutional investors and other, uh, other forms of uh, investors. So, you know, get all the, the young kids on the, tic- on the TikToks, to uh, put all their money in the Doge coins is uh, maybe part of the the way to distract everybody from the real power of the Bitcoin. Uh, yeah, I I think so. People kind of lumping it all together when it, they really don't have anything to do with each other. But I don't so, know uh, what what's more overvalued though, uh, Doge coin or Amazon's stock price. <laughs> wow that's that escalated quickly <laughs> aws no longer on andrew's n- nice list <laughs> uh, 
So I wanted to start with the story. Rubber scarcity creates new headache for beleaguered automakers. Uh, this came out of autonews.com. Automakers are struggling with a pandemic-induced plant shutdowns and a global chip shortage that are now confronting another supply chain headache, dwindling rubber supplies. Snarled shipping lanes are disrupting the movement of natural rubber, a key material used in tires as well as components under the hood of cars. With the global uh, supply already running short following the stockpile by China and the devastating leaf disease... Rubber prices are on the rise, and some U.S. auto suppliers are rushing to secure shipments before the market gets squeezed further. So, do you know about the devastating leaf disease of rubber trees? I did not. No, I I knew about um, the rhodium deal, right. but did we talk about that on the show? I don't think so. I think you did mention it last year, or excuse me, last show. Okay. So, uh, yeah, there's a rubber shortage worldwide, um, which is going to be kind of interesting as, as they go forward. So uh, companies in virtually every market grapple with shortages. Perhaps no industry is being harder hit than autos. Multiple plants have been idled by semiconductor crisis that's costing tens of billions of dollars in lost revenue, while materials from seeding foam to metal plastic uh, from to metal to plastic resin are also becoming harder to find. The industry, which has long relied on just-in-time manufacturing to reduce costs, is finding <laughs> it has limited flexibility to deal with supply chain disturbances wrought by the pandemic. The rubber shortage threatens to disrupt, uh, to further disrupt vehicle production, just as demands um, in the Biden administration douses the U.S. economy with a $1.9 trillion in stimulus spending. Rubber problems could prove particularly thorny because the trees need seven years to mature, making it unlikely the supply will quickly bounce back. Get it? Bounce. It's like paper towels early on the COVID crisis, uh, said Steve Weibo, who heads the auto practice group of consulting firm. How do you like this is a consultant? It's like it's like paper towels and toilet paper early on. If you can get your hands on some plastic or rubber, you're going to be able to order that, that more than you need. And then, you know, you're not going to be that you're going to at least going to be able to get it next. Car makers, including Ford Motor Company and Stella Atlantis NV, formerly known as Fiat Chrysler, say they're monitoring the rubber situation, but have yet to feel an impact. General Motors similarly says it's worried about its rubber, isn't worried about its rubber supply. Francis Michelin, one of the largest tile makers, or otherwise known as Michelin, is skirting port congestion by using their air freight shipments directly from Asia. So, this sparked me to create a list. Are you ready? Oh, yeah. I scoured the internet. I talked to friends, relatives, neighbors. I have a list of the shortages that we have been quietly told or have been on the back burner in different industries that have been going on since this COVID crisis began 12 okay. months ago. What's up? Let's see the list. Let's see the list. All right. I will put the list in the show notes, but here we go. Shortages. There are shortages on rubber, semiconductors, microchips, Foam for auto seats, lumber, rental cars, boats, RVs, campers, rhodium, palladium, polyurethane, bikes, fabrics for clothing, ammunition, batteries, uh, policemen, uh, teachers, restaurant workers, uh, post office delays, global shipping issues. And more recently, there has been in the last week or two, a shortage on boba and chicken wings. So... <laughs> 
these things continue. Like, I mean, how many more things can we be running short on? And when does it st- when do, when does it start to be something more? When do people start to realize that this might all be planned? <laughs> well, and uh, you know, rubber. I don't think oh. rubber would apply, but I miss garden gnomes. There's a okay. short. I don't know if you know about it, but there's a big no, shortage on garden not. gnomes. I did not. Starting to hit the market after the Egypt thing. There was a, a there's an interesting article I found, but okay. Gar- no garden gnomes. So, <laughs> uh, yeah, also, I've never also, owned and never will own a garden gnome, but a boba, boba, also boba. Have we talked about boba? Yeah, you mentioned that. Yeah, yeah. it's delicious. So. I guess the car shortage thing. Mm-hmm. And that's a lot of that. My my first instinct is um, t- to drive up demand. Absolutely. Um, and then my second thing is wondering how this is going to play into the everyone needs to drive an electric car thing. Well, funny you should ask. My state became the first state... To institute a no brand new uh, gasoline car sold past 2030. Beating California by five months or five years. The most aggressive communist plan in the, for, the, <laughs> for the future. Agenda 2030 is at our doorsteps. Um, it does feel like this is a lot of these shortages have to do with cars. It does feel like a lot of these shortages are... are are uh, in place to kind of put down the uh, the SDRs, you know, the old uh, the old um... special drawing rights. <laughs> no, what is it? Climate climate change science. I'll, I'll figure it out. Social distance. I don't remember. Dang it! I thought I, I thought I would remember this, but it's the uh, anyway. It's it, they're they're trying to transition all this stuff into. The um, the Green New Deal, instead of, you know, away from COVID, it's like, well, one thing that's been great is emissions have been down and global warming is not such a big deal. But the, but now they're trying to make a big global warming push in the uh, Veritas videos. CNN says that's the next that's the, the next fear mongering thing. They're going all in on climate change. Yeah, no, a hundred percent. That's that's the plan. That's that that this is they're gonna they're gonna transition this straight from cri- climate change into, or straight from COVID into climate change. Yeah, sustainable development goals SDGs. Okay, that's that's not the same acronym you just said, but no, definitely not. <laughs> S- FDR, CDAs, P- PBR. <laughs> SDGs, okay. SD, SDGs, Sustainable Development Goals. Yeah. Yeah, which is everyone lives in tiny cities, makes total sense in an era of pandemics, plandemics. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, 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 yeah. Also, everybody rents. Nobody can own a house. Yeah. Which, based on the market around here, seems pretty likely that that may happen in the future. <laughs> yeah. It's uh, uh, pretty pretty nuts around here. Yeah, uh, I was talking to a friend of mine yesterday. He had his house sold. It was a done deal. Um, and he, you know, he calls it his shack. It's it's a perfectly fine, but not a 
not a mansion by any means, uh, house on a fairly big lot that's not even in Hood River. It's outside of Hood River a bit. So he had it sold last fall for $420,000, and the deal fell through, and he took it off the market. They're looking at getting Best like thing five, ever. 525 if they sold it now. So we're talking like a 20% increase in six months. I would like for you to take a seat if you're not already seated, as well as all the listeners. Let me <laughs> l- let me regale you with the Seattle housing market. Oh, uh, yeah. Yeah. Are you ready for this? I have a friend who is trying to buy a 2,200-square-foot home in Bothell, built in the early 2000s. Bothell is like the suburb of suburbs. It's like a suburb of other suburbs, Mm kind of out north of uh, Lake Washington. Really great school district, though, like really good school district, one of the best in the area. Uh, It's also uh, within very close proximity, driving proximity to the new Google campus and Facebook campus. Uh, this house was advertised, 2,200 square foot, two-story house, for 850000 My friend went in and he says, you know what? I desperately need a house because the house that I'm living in, I'm renting, and somebody's going to sell it uh, so that they can cash in on this market. And so I have to find a house. So I, uh, I'm going to go in, and he offers, I will pay $100,000 over the asking price for $950,000. So he says, I will pay $950,000 for said house. Within 24 hours, he receives a phone call that says that he was only the eighth highest bidder of 17. (laughs) And that the house sold for $1.1 million. Wow. That is insane. And that was, this man finally got a house, okay? He paid... uh, it was a nine hundred fifty thousand uh, dollar house. He only offered thirty over, so he offered nine eighty. We're talking about a million dollar house here. Million dollar house. When you think million dollar house, do you think of a big house? Yes. Thirteen hundred square feet. No garage. <laughs> down in Seattle. I no million dollars. No. Nine hundred and nine hundred and eighty thousand dollars he paid for this home. Ah, and just guess keep what? Renting, man. That was because they're jacking up the rent. They're jacking up the rent. Well, get out of uh, Seattle. Well, I mean, yeah, those are the those are the those are the the things that you would you know, hey, get out of Seattle. It's not not as easy to think. If you got kids, you got family, you got a job that pays, you got the a lot of yeah. money, a lot of opportunity around here. Not as easy as as it is to just say, I'll just get out of here. So, uh, yeah, that's that's kind of where he is right now, and so he's moving into his new house, and he's like thrilled. This was, I think they were over 15 offers in. The offers were getting so bad that he he he, he didn't even see them all. Like his girlfriend would put in offers for him. Like, hey, was just, we're getting this one. Do you want to see it? And he's like, nah, I'm out. <laughs> because you just get emotionally detached. You're like, oh, yeah, this will work for me. And you put in a bunch of offers and then it all just disappears. You know, then you get then you end up with nothing. So, who is buying all these houses? I've spoke to many people, builders and such, and a lot of people coming from China, from India, from around the country, and mm. uh, getting all these tech jobs. Yep. yep, getting all the tech jobs at Facebook, Amazon, Microsoft, Google, and uh, they're paying because they're moving into these homes and they're making you know a couple hundred grand a year, and they don't have kids, and they can stay in smaller homes, and some of the hottest homes are. 
selling for about six hundred thousand, uh, which is more in like a at least a some semblance of normal price range. Uh, but those homes are about 800 square feet on two levels, which is basically just kind of <laughs> a studio, like made yeah. in a, a la Japan type of deal, you know, like a little, just yeah. a real small little flat. But uh, yeah, bringing upwards of $600,000. So this is an extremely expensive market. And uh, it's it's like people are just like looking around like, what in the world are we doing? And people are making like, you know, people who have lived in their house for like 20, 30 years are like, well, this is it. I'm out. <laughs> like, sure. Yeah. Somebody's going to come in and overbid me a couple hundred thousand to sell this house. Like, it's fine. I'm ready to go. I need to move out of here anyway. And no, uh, if you, if you own a, a restaurant or a, Oh, for know, sure. Absolutely. Whatever, uh, an actual local business. Yep. Cash out now and get to somewhere. You, you, you pretty much have no choice. Like yep. just, Get out, get the value out of your house, and and move somewhere cheap. That's sane. Yeah, absolutely. And then you can actually, you know, with the difference, you can put down, you know, huge money towards your next house. And what's your next job going to be? Well, I don't know. I'm sure I could find something if the mortgage is, you know, sub a thousand dollars. I'm sure, sure, I could figure that out. But uh, yeah, that's 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 what uh, life life in Seattle is like in the Seattle housing market right now. So stay tuned. I'll let everybody know. I'm surprised I haven't talked about it on the show just because it's just it's so unbelievable to most of the rest of the country. But I'm not hearing that. I mean, not hearing those kind of numbers anywhere else. I mean, those are insane numbers. Yeah. But I'm hearing of, of offers for over asking in the Midwest with no inspection and things like that, which shows you that that uh, this may be a bubble or something. I'm not saying it is. I'm not saying it's going to pop. We should call Peter Schiff to see what he thinks. But I do think that, uh, you know, I've, we also have some friends who we've spoke to who are moving to the Houston area who uh, have told us that they're, the Houston real estate uh, market is off the charts crazy right now. People are looking at houses online on Redfin and Zillow and just buying it, like not never even seeing the house, wave inspection, everything. Boom, I'll take it. Because you cash out a Seattle house, you cash out one of these Los Angeles houses, California houses. You can go and get like, you know, depending on what you owe in your mortgage, you can go and get that house for cash. So these people mm-hmm. are just like, I got to get out of here, <laughs> go to Texas. I'll take this one. <laughs> That's it. And just getting in. And it's driving up the market. Driving Why up the Houston, though? Driving up the market in Houston. Houston is... Uh, is Houston know. foreign investment, too? I'm not sure. I'm not sure what the deal is with Houston, but we we know two people that are moving to the Houston area, so it's got to be got to be a reason for that. Huh? Yeah. I mean, it, you know, it, not to be Northwest snobby about it, but I've only driven through Houston, and <laughs> one of the most unappealing places I've ever seen. Yeah. Definitely Northwest snobby. I'm from Oklahoma City, <laughs> which make which makes uh, Houston look like a uh, sprawling, super interesting metropolis. But, I well, I don't know if you like. I don't know. It's how about just, this? How about this, Andrew? Wait for it. Wait for it. Wait for it. Leave your Northwest snobbiness at the door. Wait for it. <laughs> if you like flat land, nice people, and reasonable living costs, then, then yeah. Then you, you would move to a suburb of Dallas. Yeah, not, suburb of suburb not of Dallas Houston. would be good. No, no Houston. No. Okay, fair enough. Uh, uh, 
You just don't and like George W. Bush, do you? It's and not Austin. About, it's all about George Bush. Yeah, I used to think Austin would be cool. Um, yeah, I don't think Austin would be cool anymore. You know I what? Mean, and so Adam Curry, you know, he's talking about that on the No Agenda show, how bad Austin's getting. And it, here's another weird thing that's happening in the Seattle market that nobody's talking about. But I spoke to a real estate agent and she kind of confirmed this for me because I, I had a suspicion. Some of the people that are getting out to the suburbs, so that's where I live in the suburbs. I'm completely across the county line. And I think we talked about this last week. Seattle is in King County. King County is just wackadoo crazy it's got the seattle city council the mm-hmm. king county sheriff like all of that stuff that you're seeing on the news is like a, a you know a caric- a caricature of what's going on in seattle but up in snohomish county remember we have the uh, sheriff who says i'm not enforcing any of these rules and they can't even get forty-five thousand votes to get this guy out um or forty thousand signatures what is happening in the downtown seattle area especially because you know a few years ago, Amazon starts building all these buildings, and I say a few, probably like eight or ten. Uh, Amazon starts building all these buildings at South Lake uh, Union, and people just start flocking to that area. And big apartment buildings go up, and condo buildings go up, and all kinds of people are living downtown. Enter COVID. Mm-hmm. Black Lives Matter riots all summer. And while all these woke people who live down there, who are into all this stuff that's going down, they don't want to live there (laughs) so what they're doing is they're moving to the suburbs so what the funniest the funnier part about the seattle housing market is that the seattle housing prices in seattle proper are actually dropping a little bit okay especially downtown seattle um whereas you get further out into the suburbs and that's where you're seeing these million dollar offers on 2200 square foot you know regular homes because those people want to get out to a little bit more, so you know, a little bit more land. It's basically their version of like moving to Texas. Like I got to get out of this downtown area. I got to get to the mm-hmm. suburbs. So, um, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's that's where we are in Seattle. It's just, uh, you know, it's a work in progress. We gotta we gotta keep getting everybody vaccinated, and then we can get back to normal. <laughs> oh man. Speaking of vaccines, what do you got for us, Mr. Andrew? Well, I'm I'm getting a little worried that uh, the vaccines aren't just going to impact the vaccinated people. Interesting. What do you got? So, I I think I mentioned on the show. You know, my my wife and mom both got sick. Uh, after being around someone who'd been vaccinated. Right. Like really sick. And there's more and more anecdotal reports. And then there's some, um, analysis of why that, (laughs) why that's happening. So I don't know that we need to get totally into it. I threw some stories in the folder. Um, but you know, not only for the people's sake themselves, but for everyone who has to be around them. Like, keep the keep people from getting this vaccine, man. It is just bad news. And we put uh, uh, in this Google Drive. It's someone did a lot of work. It's all the social media posts, all the I am getting the vaccine today, and then the the friend or 
spouse posting two weeks later, oh, it's so sad, they're dead, you know. Um, and lots of first-hand accounts. And the interesting thing about that, um, it's, it's under frontline workers' testimonies, news reports, various data, is that in almost every case, it's the doctors say it had nothing to do with the vaccine, right? Right. And so, you know, people need to, if you're on the fence, check that thing out yourself and just say, do I really, you know, it's certainly possible that some of these are coincidences. Um, but do I really believe that none of these are from the vaccine? You know, I mean, it, it's, it, what do you think the, um, we, we talked about during the show last week, we talked about the Johnson and Johnson thing and the kind of the story, six people had blood clots, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, Another thing I noticed from this folder is that Pfizer pops up way more than Johnson and Johnson. Yeah. Which, you know, we, we knew like it wasn't just Johnson and Johnson and there's an angle of like, uh, people are, they're running out of the people who were all hyped up to get the vaccine. And, and now it's like, well, if we chop out a third of the supply, we can still keep people fired up to, to get it. But they're certainly, they haven't even claimed there's a vaccine shortage anymore. You know, that that whole spiel is is over. Now it's, you know, it's there's, your there's, turn. There's, Do your patriotic duty. Get vaccinated. There's still a little bit of that. Oh, yeah. you cannot, you cannot di- download this file at this time. Too many users have viewed or downloaded this file recently. Pre- no. Please, yeah, please try accessing it later. So this is uh, something somebody put in a Google Drive. Starts out, informed consent matters. It's your right to review the first-hand testimonies and reports from those who have experienced adverse reactions due to the COVID vaccine without censorship by the news, media, or social media. Without With access to this data, you can perform a risk-benefit analysis for yourself. Updated on April 22nd, 2021. Um, I encourage everybody to go to the show notes, look at this link, try and download it if you can. If we haven't downloaded any other places, that would be perfect. We can upload it again. I'm sure somebody else there is going to have it. I hope um, so. I did want to tell you that I looked up scarcity and uh, <laughs> shortages in the okay. Google, in the news, obviously, yeah. to make my list over here. And they are still kind of running a scarcity of <laughs> vac- for vaccines in some parts of the country, not many. Interesting. And I, there's still an occasional... Oh, you know what? There, you know, there was one for India. In India, guess what they're experiencing? Oxygen shortages because of all the people who are on ventilators. Yeah, and I saw a lady post that she lives in India and it's totally fine and it's it's another media hype job. But yeah, anyway. yeah. Yes. So, so the uh, you know in the course of my job today. I'm, t- I'm talking to a lady, and I'm trying to explain the difference between internet service and Wi-Fi, right? Like, <laughs> internet service is how it's no, getting, to, it. getting it. to your home. Yeah. Wi-Fi is the wireless distribution in your home. And this 
this gal is just not not getting it right and and she's which is not too unusual i'll i'll be honest with you this is not not an unusual situation for someone really not to understand this concept they're like i want wi-fi it's like well (laughs) um and but she she tells me she's like i'm sorry i don't know what's wrong with me i i feel really sick and i can't string two thoughts i can't put two thoughts together i I had the vaccine yesterday and i just haven't i i feel terrible and you know so i'm like well you know can i talk to you as a person not as a representative of my company (laughs) she's like yes please do so we went uh you know went through some stuff and basically she got it because she thought she was going to get forced to, to get it. Yeah. That's the bottom line. Yeah. She's like, well, aren't they going to make everyone get it? And I'm like, yep. no, they're not going to make everyone get it because the 40% of people that don't want it aren't going to take it. And I'm like, you know, I, I sent her, uh, gave her information, you know, the artemisin, misinin, stuff and just like you know do that rather than taking the second vaccine uh because if the first one's bad the second one's only supposed to be where she's like oh i know i know people have really been hurt by that second one you know i I don't want it i don't want to take it i'm like don't take it but anyway so this is and here's the thing is she going to report it to to bears very doubtful, right? right. Is her doc if she calls her doctor and says I'm feeling ill, he's just gonna blow it off and say, no, just coincidence. That means and, it's working, Bill. And there's no no, you know, I mean, Biden's offering bribes to employers to to get their employees vaccinated. Um, oh yeah, you know, give them a couple days off. Government will pay for it. <laughs> it's like. Uh, well, either, you know, it's a bogus couple days off, or, um, if mass numbers of people need a couple days off after getting the vaccine, this is a problem. Yeah. And, yep, yep, somebody from my workplace got their, uh, got their, their second dose, and then they, uh, had to take a sick day, felt like they could barely move. Yeah, and the, and we don't know the long term. One of the stories I threw in there, um, thousands of reports of menstrual irregularities, reproductive dysfunction. And we've talked on this show before. Last week we talked about that. I brought it up. What does, eug- it- what does eugenics always go after? You know. They, it goes after reproduction male and female and it goes after uh minority groups you know the which is kind of the most famous part of eugenics but it also it's trying to shrink the population as a whole and especially the undesirables which um if you are not a member of the east coast elite guess what you're an undesirable so and there's the, the scary thing about that is that there is, this is happening 
this is another one of the effects that are happening to people who haven't even got the vaccine, but they've been around people who got the vaccine. Where? Where are you seeing that part? Um, well, you can look at... Uh, let me pull it up here. Good old... It's in, it, it's in this uh, document? Uh, the LifeSite News one? No, I oh. don't think so. But... Uh, I think there's a link to it. Um, but if you look up Naomi Wolf's Twitter page, she's like, lots of women are telling me that this is ha- happening to them. You know, <laughs> Somebody should write a book about the awakening of Naomi Wolf. It's like, hey, yeah. you were on the right track 12 or 13 years ago. I don't know how you got off track and got so lost. Yeah. <laughs> but no, she's, you know. I, th- I think it is. I think she's genuinely waking up. and. Oh, my gosh. It's, so I type in her name. Literally, something pops up from the forward. Conspiracy theorist Naomi Wolf says Anthony Fauci doesn't work for us. <laughs> <laughs> well, congratulations, Naomi. You finally woke up. You're being called a conspiracy theorist. Yeah. yeah. Just about as, 10 years like, too late. As, as if that's your title. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, conspiracy theorist Naomi Wolf. Yeah, that's what I'll be known as. That's all I need. Anyway, but she posts a lot on Twitter, so I'm not, <laughs> I'm not not scrolling all the way through. But anyway, that's one of the places I saw it. And then, um, yeah, this is it is happening. Um, and the article that uh, Infowars and a few other places were pushing today, if you look at that paper, it talks about prions. Um, right. And this this is, you know, part of what's going on. So you're, you're shedding these. It's kind of like the virus, but kind of the the spike protein things and then people are taking it in and it, it impacts people different ways. And apparently, you know, this, this genius, uh, MRNA product can get your immune system to start making a bunch of these spike proteins things, but the, no one included an off switch. Hmm. So it's like, well, how long is this going to go on? Yeah, this is an interesting, interesting document. Microbiology and infectious disease, diseases, COVID-19, RNA-based vaccines, and the risk of prion disease. Yeah, and, it, you know, uh, I'm sure that won't actually get uh, published in a prestigious journal because it's anti-vaccine, but I don't know. I, there's some good information in there, and it's it's short. It's like five pages, so. It's like three pages. Read it, people. It's two two pages plus, yeah, it's only two pages, and it has uh, a full page of uh, citations. Oh, what a what a novel idea! Yeah. <laughs> Over the last two decades, there's been concern among scientists that prions could be used as bioweapons. More recently, there has been concern that ubiquitous intracellular molecules could be activated to cause prion disease, including Alzheimer's disease, ALS, and other neurodegenerative diseases. This concern originates due to the potential. For misuse of research data on the mechanisms 
by which certain RNA binding proteins like TDP43 and FUS and others can be activated to form disease-causing prions. The fact that this research, which could be used for bio or for bioweapons development, is funded by private organizations, including the Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation, the Ellison Medical Foundation, without national or international oversight is also a concern. In the past, for example, there are uh, prohibitions for publishing information pertaining to the construction of nuclear bombs. Published data has shown that there are several different factors that contribute to the conversion. Blah, 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 blah. Wow. That is interesting. Well, uh, so, so, then, so, so I guess what I'm um, concerned about now that I wasn't concerned about before is, you know, they might not need to get everyone vaccinated. They might have already gotten enough people yeah. vaccinated to, to get the bioweapon out there. And, you know, I'm sure they don't know exactly what's going to happen. But, you know, I, I always go back to the, the release of ever increasing in severity bioweapons and I think we're right in the middle of that. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's I think that's true. But I mean, do you think you could get all these companies, all these people to make a bioweapon, or is it just stupidity through through the uh different compartmentalization and different uh avenues that you would use to control groups of people? Like is it just because, you know, I don't think that everybody at Pfizer is like, let's just let's go invent something that's going to go kill everybody in the world, right? No, but what you've got is that... Just plain this, devil's advocate here. That, okay, so the, an article I threw in there from 2017, which was intentional. It's not that I thought it was a new article, but I'll, I'll read part of this. Uh, lavishly funded Moderna hits safety problems in bold bid to revolutionize medicine. This is from... Uh, yeah, the beginning of 2017, so quite a while ago. Moderna Therapeutics, the most highly valued private company in biotech, has run into troubling safety problems with its most ambitious therapy, STAT, which is the name of the publication, STAT News. Um, oh, let's see. And is now banking on a mysterious new technology to keep afloat its brash promise of reinventing modern medicine. Exactly one year ago, Moderna CEO Stefan Bancel talked up his company's unbelievable future before a standing room only crowd at the annual JP Morgan Healthcare Conference. He promised that Moderna's treatment for a rare and debilitating disease known as Kreigler Najjar syndrome developed alongside biotech giant Alexion Pharmaceuticals would enter human trials in 2016. It was to be the first therapy using audacious new technology that Bansell promised would yield dozens of drugs in the coming decade. But the Kragler najjar treatment has been indefinitely delayed, an Alexion spokeswoman told Stat. It never proved safe enough to test in humans, according to several former Moderna employees and collaborators who worked closely on the project. Unable to press forward with that technology, Moderna has had to focus instead on developing a handful of vaccines, turning to a less lucrative field that might not justify the company's nearly $5 billion valuation. 
It's all vaccines right now, and vaccines are a lost leader, said one former Moderna manager. Lost leader is an interesting (laughs) term. Uh, Moderna right now is a multi-billion dollar vaccines company, and I don't see how that holds up. Bansell made no mention of the Kregler Najar drug when he spoke Monday before a similarly packed room at this year's J.P. Morgan conference. His presentation instead focused on four vaccines that the company is moving through the first phase of clinical trials. Two target strains of influenza, a third for the Zika virus, remember Zika, and the fourth remains a secret. Ah. Bansell clicked through graphs of data from animal studies before hurrying on to tout Moderna's balance sheet and discuss the company's cancer vaccines, slated for clinical testing later this year. When Stat asked Bansell after the presentation about Kregler Najjar, he, ref- he deferred to Alexion. All right. So it goes on. Um, mRNA is a tricky technology. Several pharma- major pharmaceutical companies have tried and abandoned the idea, struggling to get mRNA into cells without triggering nasty side effects. Bansell has repeatedly promised that Moderna's new therapies will change the world, but the company has refused to publish any any data on its mRNA vehicle, sparking skepticism from some scientists and a chiding from the editors of Nature with the linked article there. um, So this is 2017. From that time all the way till 2020, they had still not brought a single product to market. Like, you don't think there's a little pressure on them? And if they're they're like, okay, we got this way, we can do the vaccine thing, and we can rush it through, no human trials, no or no animal testing, we'll just brush it straight on through and, and cover up the bad stuff that happens, they're going to be all in. This is, you know, you, you don't have to have everyone in on it being a bioweapon. The platform is a bioweapon. Everything made with mRNA stuff is a bioweapon. Yeah, so, I mean... You know, they, they can't I, make it safe. I, yeah, I think I do I do feel like that the... One of the scary things is, like, how, how does it react in the future? Like, what man-made, you know, crap are you, you know... Is it going to... Are they going to be able to make everybody, uh, you know, just, you know, allergic to chicken eggs or something like this? You know, like what weird impacts is it going to have moving forward and what mutations is it going to take on? Uh, that closing closing line, I'm sure that in five years from now, we'll look at 2017 as the inflection point that Moderna went for a liftoff, he said at Monday's presentation. We have a chance to transform medicine and we won't quit until we're done. And we have impacted patients. Well, you've impacted them. Oh, you've impacted them. Um, okay, and yeah, there was... So I also, I wanted there, to, to there talk about... Some, well, just, just very briefly, very briefly. I just want to throw something in. Today, I heard one coworker talking about another coworker, the vaccines that they got. And the one coworker's like, yeah, I heard what's his name was sick. He was, you know, he was out pretty bad with his... You know, second jab. You know, he went with the Pfizer. I got, I got the Moderna. So <laughs> I know it's like <laughs> Moderna's like the the kind of like indie Pfizer. <laughs> yeah, it really, it's 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 like 
it's 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 like it's like on brand like npr like i listen to npr yeah and i like reddit i know who bill gates is he's pretty awesome he was a secret santa on, on reddit <laughs> I, I went with i went with moderna like it's all it's all right there so, so the therapy they were trying to make that the article's talking about the fourth the third the mystery one it's got to be no 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 pa- patients with Krigler najar are missing a key liver enzyme needed to break down uh bilirubin okay Oh, so the thing that they can never cure, right? Isn't that the too much? Um, so they, this is should be very straightforward. If this stuff worked, this would have been easy. Couldn't even get it to human trials. Wiped out, you know, when they gave it to animals, it wiped them out. So this is a much more complex thing they're trying to do to treat, you know, a, a coronavirus um, with spike proteins. Oh, where where else are spike proteins? Oh, I don't know, your liver, your heart, lungs. It might cause problems in those areas. But anyway, this is, it's trouble. The, the platform is the bioweapon. This is why Bill Gates was pushing it. This is why, you know, I mean, we are we are being depopulated and it might be a scale to actually from, you know, the the Gates perspective, uh, be at a, a scale that, you know, we didn't think was possible. Well, on that positive note. Um, yeah, I mean, I think it's possible. I think I'm not really worried about this round. It's more the next one and the one after that. And the one, cause I feel like we're just kind of, you know, like boiling the, the frog in the pot, right? It's just like, a, they're going to turn it up slowly. But well, I mean, and- on the other hand, a lot of these vaccine deaths are pretty quick. So it's, uh, not that, I guess the, the Wait, kettle, which, the kettle's which, heating up fast. You know, those are accidental. The quick ones are accidental. They don't want it to kill you in two weeks because it's too obvious uh but if this is screwing up fertility in yeah even 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 like let's say 10 percent 10 percent of women who um take this vaccine can't have kids that is a huge impact yeah it's huge. not just on them but on you know population and and the world and maybe that's the goal and time to go what's that movie children of men where no one can have kids yep yeah i did it's funny you mentioned that too because i also spoke to someone today and they were kind of going on about the vaccine i just like to get information like what do you think what do you think what's going on and uh this person uh just repeatedly jokes like oh yeah i heard heard they got it Hope they weren't planning on having kids. Like that was just like a joke that was out there. I was like, okay, cool. Yeah, well, that's where we are. <laughs> so there's some people who are really not into it. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and, and, and here's here's another question with, with the mRNA that, that really bothers me. And this isn't necessarily a dark or negative or positive or anything. It's just a question. Do you pass it on? Like, let's say I can have kids and I took this thing. Um, and I have an, I have another child. 
does that person now have the mRNA messenger within their DNA? Well, you, I mean, you've seen some of the horrible like rash rashes on babies being breastfed by a mother who had got the COVID vaccine. I mean, there's who knows. As far as that, the genetic, you know, if their body's going to be producing the same spike protein, I don't know. Okay. But uh, another cu- another couple things on COVID that we got to hit. One was Scottie Pippen's son. Did you see this? Yeah, like 30, 33 or 30 years old. Yeah. yeah, that was the Larry Johnson part. The Larry Johnson post was that number 33 son died when he was 33 years old or something like that. But uh, our friend, uh, what's her name again? Sally. Sally. Sally KP on Twitter. She uh, posted a screenshot of her Instagram. It says, I'm heartbroken to share that. It's uh, Scotty Pippen's uh, picture of him with his son. I'm heartbroken to share that I had to say goodbye to my first son, Antron, this morning. The two of us shared a love for basketball, had countless conversations about the game. He suffered from a chronic asthma. If he hadn't had it, I truly believe he would have made it to the NFL. Or, excuse me, the NBA. He never let that get him down. Well, the next photo over, she screenshotted a, uh, looks like this is a, chat on twitter i think it's twitter it's anton mm-hmm. antron pippen uh posting four weeks ago on a uh meme about pulling up once the coronavirus is over and he said getting the vaccine soon as i can then i'm pulling up on you no cap and uh yeah so there's no no proof that he got it but that's uh that tends to tends to lend one to believe that he did, based yep. off that post. And then you saw what happened this evening, right? Which one? Shock G, the uh, digital underground of the Humpty Dance fame. Humpty Dance, oh. da, da, da. Yeah, this is a super catchy song. I'm sure it was blasted at high and low in the Hoffman house while you were growing up. <laughs> uh, feel feel like that's something that would really be welcome in your home. Uh, either way, also middle-aged black man, and uh, he just dies out of nowhere. And did we get any information on the? I didn't even have to look it up. I just I'm starting to think. I mean, it's just too many. There's just too many people dying right now. A lot of uh, disproportionate and, and, and number you, of black people. Yep, and you said this. Yeah. You said this. Um, and I think that that is not un real i think that that it's you know you start looking at you know hank aaron marvin Hagler. it just does seem like the, it messes with it so of course you enter in uh oh that was sdr uh <laughs> sdr not sdg uh trudeau that was the wrong thing i'm looking at but i should be looking at shock g vaccine uh i can't see anything but i'm starting to i'm starting to think it DMX, Marvin Hagler, Hank Aaron. I mean, come on, guys. This is this yeah. is getting it's getting crazy, right? Yeah, but but meanwhile, it's uh, it's white cops they have to worry about. White cops. That's it. That's the only problem. If you got rid of white cops, uh, black people would all live forever. It kind of tells you everything you need to know about the country, right? Like, let's just say, like, imagine a world. Let me describe this world for you, Andrew. There's a world. 
where there's a child molester who molests children on an island, and he has a longtime girlfriend, and he supposedly commits himself commits suicide to himself in jail, and his longtime girlfriend is arrested, taken in by the FBI, the famed Southern District of New York. It's put on trial, and the trial begins, and they're going to really find out who is down there molesting children, possibly killing them, and ritual sacrifices in strange temples on an island all by themselves. Or there's going to be a trial of this guy who incorrectly held down a large black man who was incredibly high on fentanyl and ended up dying from it. The man did. Um, and uh, which one of those two things do you think would have a fundamental change in the way the fabric of America <laughs> was, was formed? Which one? Yeah. Was it, is it, we, is it, which is one it do the, we get cameras in the courtroom? Yeah, interesting, isn't it? Yeah, which one were former presidents themselves involved in? Which one of those two people did Bill Gates hang out with seven or eight times post-conviction? Where's that? Where's that? That tells you everything you need to know about these United States of America and who's really running the show. Friends of Epstein, Servants of Satan. Yeah, I like that name. That's going to (laughs) stick. Friends of Epstein, Servants of Satan. Um... Real Did quick, you, go ahead. So I, you know, never been a huge LeBron fan. Oh, at all. Yeah, yeah. But then there was the whole China thing, right? And I, you know, so I'm all in on bashing LeBron, the China thing. Oh, so can, I, then, can I give, let me give my LeBron stuff first real quick since we're doing this. Okay. Uh, I've never been a fan of LeBron until he came home to Cleveland. And then when he was going up against the dreaded Golden State, I did root for him to bring one home to Cleveland. <laughs> and I kind of, he kind of grew on me a little bit until last year, the, uh, we'll call it the Malcolm X book incident. I'm all, <laughs> I'm all the way off after the oh, Malcolm man. X book incident. I may throw a link in the show notes for those of you who really want to know, or Maybe after the outro, every now and then I throw a, a bonus clip after the outro of uh, of Revelations Radio News. Maybe I'll throw the old LeBron uh, gets question about the Malcolm X book What's in there. What's your but favorite that, part of the book? <laughs> it's the part with the words in the middle of the book. The part it's about the, how you should always uh, trust liberals and <laughs> vote Democrat. <laughs> Oh, is that what Malcolm X said? Hey, oh, man, no, interesting. It, nobody, <laughs> nobody talking about Malcolm X anymore, by the way. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> he was he was uh, too volatile in the 60s, and not because he hated white people. He was uh, too on point. He yeah. uh, He's uh, still on point to this day. Oh, well, he, Malcolm X today would be considered a crazy conservative, but... <laughs> I think it's true. I think yeah. it's true. So anyway, so LeBron, but here's where LeBron got himself into trouble. They wanted LeBron to go get that vaccine on TV mm-hmm. until I pulled the Russell Wilson. We'll, we'll put you on NBC, an NBC special, and you can push, you know, roll up did your Russ, sleeves, did America. Did Russ do this? Yes. Russ no. and C- Ciara hosted Roll Up Your Sleeves, America, with with Joe Biden to, to get everyone vaccinated. Um, it was just on last weekend. I 
I have yet to hear anyone who saw it. I don't know why you would watch it, but um, anyway, very disappointing. Uh, but anyway, they wanted LeBron to be a part of all that, and he said, uh, "Private, de- it's a private decision. It's, so it's, it's a private decision on the vaccine. In other words, I'm not getting it. That's yes. what that means." Yes. So let's talk about LeBron too, because you know, there's LeBron bashing, there's LeBron fans, but let's we can agree on one thing in defense of the man. There are few people on this planet who are more scrutinized than him. I mean, everybody watches his every move. So what happened? There certainly seemed to have been a, a like a 180. <laughs> like, yeah, yeah, yeah. No, no, it's private. <laughs> like what? <laughs> where where did something where did where did everything kind of break? Did you do you feel like something something happened to him? He saw something? What's what's going on? I don't know. I mean, I I think it might just be the the general um, distrust of vaccines that is prevalent in <laughs> well in people in general but african americans especially and for good reason and they right. always you know the mainstream media always tries to nail it down to tuskegee but uh no 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 that's not it that's it's not just tuskegee no not just Sy- a one-time about, deal what about Sif- Sif- tuskegee was the syphilis deal yes. right yeah. yeah no there's you got to look at the whole eugenics thing and it wasn't just Nazi Germany that was doing eugenics, but, um, you know, you should be looking at Planned Parenthood. But, uh, anyway, so for whatever reason, um, he, and he didn't come out and, and say, I'm not getting it, but it was enough. Right. Because LeBron, um, if he was getting it, he surely would have, uh, (laughs) said that so then this um you know the trial happens and chauvin's convicted on all three hey i gotta i gotta say i'm not convinced maybe maybe it is a general i don't think so i think he would go along with the party line he would throw up his his hand signs to whoever it is he throws up his hand signs before he does the games i'm not convinced i think i think one of his handlers or someone who likes him higher up you know, within the organization, just, just said, just, "Hey, hey, LeBron, you don't want that vaccine." Yeah, I mean, I mean, come on. If you're, if you're, if you're, a, it's an owner, or you know, you have a huge stake in the NBA, you yeah. gotta, and you, and you, you know, things you that a, other people you've got a billion dollars writing on the guy. Yeah, I mean, you don't. You want don't no, I mean, how much money is that guy worth in China, in in the United States? And you know that you know, some of this stuff is a little under the table, a little wink, wink, nudge, nudge. Uh, you might, you might call your best employee and say. Ah, <laughs> yeah, wait on that vaccine, LeBron. Let's hold up, hold up, hold up. So anyway, yeah. I just, I, I think that's my, that's my new theory. I just came up with it just now, and I'm sticking with it because I, I just felt like he would have been all in. He would, I mean, this is the dude who was filmed, who was photographed, videoed last year, flying down the 101, or uh, no, the five in California, top down, two seat Mercedes convertible. Fully masked up. <laughs> really? <laughs> yes. Driving around with a mask on, two seat convertible huh? by himself. Wow. I think he's he's. I, I don't think this is out of this is out of character. Right? Well, I think it's a private. It's the same. It's the same face as. Well, I think I like Malcolm's stance on you know a lot of the political issues. Come on, man. <laughs> so, 
but it, anyway, so he, we've got the Chauvin trial, guilty, 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 kind of tough to riot over that. Um, and then we get a 13-year-old girl shot by the cops, and LeBron just jumps all over it, like, come on, what is, like, posts a picture of the cop, like, a close-up of him, and says, you know, hashtag accountability, you know, like, basically... You, you're next with the, uh, yeah. um, what is it called, the, the time thing? Hourglass running out, and it's yep. hashtag accountability. So... And he, he ends up taking it down, but he is still taking heat from it. You oh, know? yeah. No, no, it's... And, you know, for, for good reason. I mean, but Luke, the... Luke Rutkowski posted a meme, said something to the effect of, uh, uh, you're next, yeah, hashtag same, same accountability. <laughs> and they had Hong Uyghur. Kong up there. The, yeah. No, Uyghurs. Uyghurs sitting in their purple oh, yeah. uniforms. Oh, that one too, yeah. He did another one too, but anyway... Uh, yeah, had Hong Kong and the, the Uyghurs, and yes. Uh, I don't know. I feel like uh, it may have even been a little harsher because it's like, hey, get get back in line, LeBron. You know, don't... We, we saw what you did with the vaccine. Yeah, I don't know. I don't. I don't buy that. I'm not there yet. I mean, Kate, Kevin Durant's doing getting taking enough heat on his own because his alternate Twitter account's out of control again. I think these guys just mess up and make stupid, you know, snap decisions. They live in echo chambers. I mean, you yep. know, they keep the, you know, the, the we got to get the black, we got to get the black people, you know, justice. Yeah, I mean, we got to get rid of the white cops. Hillary events. Yeah, I mean, come on, come on, man. He's doing Hillary events. Speaking of Hillary events, this is not a Hillary event, but I wanted to thank some of the listeners to the show because uh, we put out the call for donations last week and we received them. So I appreciate all of you. Um, I wanted to tell you, remind everybody, Revelations Radio News has decided to be a solely listener-supported production. This means listeners contribute to the show both financially and through volunteerism, which means you can send us clips. Please send us clips, send us articles. We'd love to take a look at them. Or you can send us value through prayer. If you don't like what we talk about, send us something better to talk about. Amen to that. Send us (laughs) prayer and send us value as in money. Uh, I do think that, you know, we would be a little bit more regular with our shows and more organized if we were just getting more value back from the listener, letting us know that you guys appreciate us. Andrew and I do love to talk to each other, but the, the process of uploading, editing, and doing the video and stuff is the stuff we don't like doing, but it always helps to get support from you guys to know that that is you're getting value out of what we do for our time. I mean, we've been doing this for, I like to say, nine years uh, because we started in 2011. <laughs> We're coming up on 10-year anniversary, of which we took three years off. But that's still, okay. like, longer yeah. than most people. Like, it's it's a long time. So, What, what episode are we on? Uh, this this will be 225, I believe. So, anyway, okay. if we've been doing this for 225 episodes. We, we started before Canary Cry, and they passed us. They lapped us like 200 episodes ago. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so yeah. They're, they're professionals. So. so if you feel like you are getting value from this show, please uh, help us by becoming a supporter. We count on you to make this work. This is all based on the value for value model made famous by Adam Curry on the No Agenda podcast. Currently, we are running a special because my good friend Andrew Hoffman wrote a book years ago that was prescient. 
called The New World Order and the Eugenics Wars, A Christian Perspective, and all donations over $25 get a free copy of The New World Order and the Eugenics Wars by Andrew Hoffman. Just below that, on the support tab on the revelationsradionews.com, there's a send money button. It says donate, and that'll send money directly to me via PayPal, and then I'll distribute it to Mr. Hoffman. Uh, and then uh, send money via U.S. Postal Service. Everybody get out your pens and papers, all you snail mail fans. It's uh, We're going to make checks out and write and mail them to Timothy Kilkenny, which is uh, all on the website here if you need to know how to spell it. And uh, it's at P.O. Box number 802, Linwood, Washington, 98046. So that will be the Revelations Radio News uh, P.O. Box. Please go ahead and address it to Tim as well as the checks because I just don't want there to be some sort of issue at the post office. Like, who is this? So um, I appreciate all of you for donating this week. It did make us feel appreciated. I wanted to just personally thank, and I know Andrew does as well because we got some books out to all these people. But we have, uh, kind of funny, we had a... Mainly, it's all West Coast. Did you realize that, Andrew? All West Coast. West Coast and lots of Californians. So, yeah, I know. So, I gotta, I gotta tip my cap to California. There you go. Start out with uh, Kyle, who's down in Kent. I'm not gonna do last names on the show. If you want us to read a note or to say your last name, please send information on that because I basically I don't know what you want other people to know about you. Maybe somebody else is listening. I'm going to leave that up to you guys. So I just wanted to thank Kyle from Kent, Washington for $100. Brian from Sacramento, California for $20. Ryan from Simi Valley, California for $25. Danny from Medford, Oregon, $50. And Mike from Oceanside, California for $50. That is awesome. I appreciate all of you guys. Appreciate you uh, giving us value for what we hope is valuable to you. Uh, Andrew and I do love to do it, and we do love to hear back from you guys on this sort of stuff as well. So, you know, I used to have a kind of a messed up view of money when I was younger. I was, oh, these guys are doing a podcast, and they're all in it for the money. And you just heard about the the, the market I live in up here. Like, <laughs> any donations from this podcast are certainly not going to be enough for me to retire on and go live on some yacht. But I just, uh, I know that this sort of stuff takes time, and time is money. And, uh, yeah, it's uh, it's always helpful to get that. Plus... You get a free book with the deal, so you get a copy of Andrew Hoffman's book, and uh, guess how much of uh, how much of that action Amazon uh, uh, gets part of, Andrew? Zero dollars, and it, it is a signed copy. <laughs> oh, it's a signed copy. Yes, yes. You're and signing them as they go out. Mailed, mailed by me. You know, I've I take him to the post office. I put on the stupid mask to go into the post office just for you people. <laughs> I, not all the time, but sometimes. Let's raise let's raise this up to fifty dollars per signed copy. <laughs> I I have gotten away with I have gotten away with uh, going into the post office with no mask and they didn't say anything. But it's you know but here in the I, uh, I don't know if it's a federal crime. It's a federal <laughs> facility, right? You're right. Yeah, yeah. Here in the uh, the People's Republic of uh, Seattle, I don't know how well that would go. So when I, when I go to, and I'll say it again, P.O. Box number 802, Linwood, Washington, 98046, to check on the, uh, to check on the old P.O. Box, I may have to don the face diaper. Yeah. I, hate to, I hate to do it, but if I'm going to get, if I'm going to well, get the donations I, for the folks. I did, uh, I did get kicked out for the first time. Where'd you get kicked out of? Congratulations. Uh, it was a pop. I've also been kicked out of many bars. Wait, what? What are we talking about? 
a, it was a Papa Murphy's uh, pizza, Papa take Murphy. and bake pizza. Yeah, yeah, and I I know the uh, like I know the owner. Um, he's involved with my the school my daughter went to. Uh, but this was obviously not him, but it was his, you know, 18-year-old employee that was on a power trip and started yelling at me for not wearing a mask. And uh, I went in there, you know, like if you are <laughs> polite and respectful just about picturing it. picturing you getting yelled at. I don't know why. <laughs> if, if you're polite and respectful, then I'm probably going to go back out to the car and get the stupid mask and come back in, right? Like... Hey man, I'm sorry. I just, I, I have to ask you to put on a mask. Fine. Oh no, no. It's he. He starts, you know, right in on me, and I, um, I may or may not have said like, oh, you guys are still requiring masks here. Why is that? <laughs> Didn't you hear Kate Brown change that? But so, which probably you 100% said that. <laughs> probably uh, wasn't the best thing to say. But anyway, so I turn around and I'm walking back towards the door and he doesn't, he doesn't let it go. He just like following, like, you need to put on a mask before you come back in here, put on a mask. And I'm like, uh, no, I'm actually not putting on a mask and I probably won't be back here again. So anyway, I don't know. I don't know. I feel kind of bad. I don't know if it deserves a lifetime boycott, but it, uh, it's probably going to be. No more in uh, 2021, put it that way. Oh, you're talking about you boycotting them. I thought they were going to boycott you. No, no. <laughs> Andrew Hoffman will no longer be allowed. It reminds me of the, did you ever see the GameStop one where the guy's like blowing up and he's like, it's Madam. <laughs> uh, no, no. It's because, yeah, it's, you have. You've seen that a million times. That's it's it's mad, mad what? Madam, because it's a, it's a dude. And he's like, excuse me, sir. And he's like, it's oh, man. It's, it's ma'am. <laughs> Just remind me go. of that. Oh, yeah. I guess. Is this a millennial trait to use the word sir as like an aggressive pejorative? I am noticing this. I, I was raised in the Midwest slash South. And then I joined the military. So I say sir and ma'am like a lot. Just to, I don't know. I don't, I don't even know why. But I, I do. Feel like it was always respectful, but yeah, it's like, sir, you need to, <laughs> you have to pay for your pizza, sir. <laughs> Click on the uh, the Andy Swan status there. Uh, the one that's gone now. Oh, is it gone? Uh, oh no, yeah. it is gone. Yeah. Well, anyway, it was just I was going to use that as a, a millennial using sir. At, like this probably teenage still maybe early 20s but probably teenage uh caucasian girl yelling at a a group of police officers and saying sir in front of everything she's yelling it's like why are you yelling sir sir that doesn't mean you're not racist sir just because you're married to a black woman sir and like you know i, I do know. love i do love when the uh, mid to upper middle class uh, Starbucks drinking white girl screams about the racism in black cops' faces. That's yeah, one of my, 
It's one of my favorite ones. No, it's brought it's to actually, you by Portland and the Northwest and did coffee you, and Uggs and Canadian Goose. Oh, sorry, what? Did you watch that clip before it? White. clip is visual yeah uh you know she's there in the mask and telling him to get away because she doesn't want to get covid i almost feel bad for her like look at do you like you really see her she's just, <sighs> is, where by the way is this portland this is this your 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 hood i mean the, the, no. the guy uh, is it no it's not they're not the guys aren't wearing masks the cops so maybe not but like no. i almost feel bad for her she's just standing there and just like just like like you could see this vacant look in her eye as she regurgitates all the stuff that she's been told and nobody in that's there is buying it. Mr. Systemic racism doesn't have to be, it has to, you, if you're white, you're systemically racist and you can't be racist. You can't be systemically racist. If you're black, not systemically, sir, you have to be white. And she just like keeps repeating all this nonsense that she's been that, fed. That she clearly learned in college. A, not college school. This started years ago. This yeah. started in school. We have a generation of kids who are trying to wake up to realize, oh wow, they lied to me. This is the, the, this is started 20 years ago, minimum. They have built these kids up to be completely brainwashed by the time they get out of high but school. But anyway, that cop was awesome. So it's absolutely, it's you got a sin problem and you need to read the Bible. That's right. That's, <laughs> that's where the. Uh, 
that's where that's where the uh, the only real power that's going to help him yeah. is. So uh, I, th- I thought that was it's a clip. I kind of went back and forth on bringing it to the podcast because it's a great clip, but it you really have to see it. Yeah, so. yeah, yeah. So I'll put the link in the show notes so everybody can check that clip out. I wanted to get to one more thing, well, and that that was what's that? Sorry, one one quick transition. Yes, sir. Uh, from schooling, um, James Corbett did a great interview with uh, Mark Crispin Miller. Have you seen that one yet? I have not. No. So that he's the NYU professor who um, is now basically suing his department colleagues because they tried to get him fired. Um, he teaches a course on propaganda. Right. And he takes whatever's going on and says, like, here's the propaganda elements. And, you know, here's the. Oh, yeah, yeah. This is the guy. This is this is the guy. Who, yeah. This is the guy who got fired for presenting the non-masks that masks don't work. Yeah. Presenting yeah. the scientific studies that right. master. And he also had the scientific studies uh, that are all from within the last year that say masks do work. And he said, you know, just pay attention to the fact that they're funded by the Gates Foundation and the, um, you know, other people who are involved in this whole thing. So anyway, uh, great interview. If you if you haven't seen it out there, it's interview sixteen thirty three, CorbettReport.com. Check it out. Um, yeah, I will throw a link in the show notes, of course. And you know, and I'm not just saying that because they come to the conclusion that um, English majors make the best uh, propaganda see throughers. So yeah. You know. <laughs> oh. <laughs> Maybe maybe English majors make the best propaganda. <laughs> maybe 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 it's a two edged sword. You could make the the propaganda or see through the propaganda. Yeah. So much of it at this point is based on language. Yeah. yeah Which um, you know, just using the word "sir" like that, like as an insult. I don't know. I don't even think she was trying to insult. I just don't think she knew what else to do. She, her brain was clearly on a like frazzled, you know, kind of freaking out there for a minute. Anyway. Okay. I wanted to talk about this briefly. I will try to make it brief anyway, but I wanted to kind of explain something about wall street bets, because I feel like a lot of people out there still kind of know what's going on, but then the media is portraying it one way. And then, the uh, alternative me is presenting it another way. And uh, let me let me let's do a, a brief experiment here. Not like you're the average Joe by any means, Andrew. But what are your thoughts about Wall Street bets? What is it? Uh, and kind of what happened with all the GameStop stuff? Well, I'm pretty sure you already know that. But what is what's your what's your feelings on Wall Street bets? Um. Well. I'm not a Reddit user, okay. so I do know that at least according to the media, that this whole Wall Street bets thing was a Reddit group, whatever that is, page, and um, basically people told each other they should be buying 
GameStop and other stocks that were heavily shorted. Uh, because they were heavily shorted, and if they could force the shorts to cover, that the price would go way up. Um, there were moderate levels of success, all sorts of funny business, uh, pulled against them by Robinhood and hedge funds and what have you. Uh, and some great Twitter memes came from Great it. Twitter memes. Okay. Yes. Okay. Yeah. I like I like that. That's not not bad. I think that's actually more than most people know about it uh, in the in the mainstream, especially the you know just the news watchers who have never even heard of Reddit or, or something to that effect. So um, I started going to Wall Street Bets, the subreddit, to kind of look at it to get ideas about what investing in the stock market looked like, like you know. Like a true autist, as they would say in the uh, in the uh, Wall Street bets, they call each other retards and autists because they just make dumb decisions and they're trying to maximize as much money as they have. They're looking for patterns in the system so that they can try and just you know to cash in someday and uh, actually make some money. Uh, and but the weird part about it is that when you really start talking to a lot of different people within that subreddit, there's a lot of doctors. And, you know, scientists and mathematicians and lawyers and accountants and all kinds of people who are trying to play in the stock market to make money. So in 2018, when so I started going, what's up? So you're saying it wasn't all 18 year olds living in their parents' basement? No, as you were told, it was not. But that was in 2018 when I started visiting the website. And I remember when we were there uh, within the subreddit, when there was a post that celebrated that we had just reached 200,000 subscribers so oh for some reason the baby monitor turned off or turned on randomly or shut that down while i can anyway there was a post uh that had uh, celebrated that we had just reached two hundred thousand subscribers sometime in 2018 when i was there um i just wanted to give people a kind of a, an idea of what it was all about so it was almost like an anarchist type situation within wall street bets because while there were mods the creator of wall street bets was like made it and it became a thing and he just like left and like no one heard from him and he occasionally came back and like tried to profit off of wall street bets one time he wrote a book another time he was going to make a documentary and more recently the have you heard about the Wall Street bets coin? Oh no, no. Yeah, there's a new crypto coin. He's at work again. So it's almost been like I said, anarchist, self-regulated because the guy who created it and basically left it, you know, just running on its own, and it became this monster of people sharing stock tips and everything, trying to to get uh, bigger. So and can I can I interject a question? So of course, of course, on Reddit. If you start a page, do you have like ultimate administrator privileges or what's the... You do. And I think once you start to get to higher uh, uh, amounts of subscribers, then you are required to put in a certain amount of mods to, mod to monitor what's going on. Um, and then I think Reddit also monitors the mods, if that makes sense. Okay. So, but our but the good old Wall Street bets pretty much was left unregulated, and there were some mods who volunteered and were able to get the the original guy to start to to start you know regulating, but they didn't regulate anything. Like there was famous posts of guys like this dude put like fifty grand a month. he had like two grand total in the bank, 
He used a glitch within Robinhood, got himself like 50 grand and YOLO'd it all on like Apple puts on a, <laughs> on a, on a day where they were going to report their earnings. And of course they smashed it and he loses like, you know, 50 grand in money. He didn't even have like live and, and post the video of it. I mean, there was just crazy weird stuff happening. It was like my own little, it's like a, almost like a dark, like not a dark secret, but like a, a secret. I didn't really talk to anybody about I texted my brother, like, have you seen these guys? This is crazy. <laughs> Last year, enter the pandemic, COVID, uh, March 17th of last year, we're up to a million subscribers. So March 17th, 2020, we're up to 1 million subscribers. Also last year, a guy in Wall Street Bets name is Deep Effing Value. We're just going to call him DFV for the, for the future, but his name is Deep and then the curse word value. This man has... Uh, posted uh, one year ago about the situation that he has found with GameStop being shorted more stocks than actually exist. And he realizes at this point that if there's that many pe- companies that are shorting this stock or that many you know, people or hedge funds that are shorting the stock, that means that the price is actually way lower than it should be. So he figures this out in March of 2020. Well, what do you mean by should? Uh, the market has been driven down by them borrowing more uh, shares than actually exist. And but I mean, realistically, the price of GameStop should be zero because it's a worthless company. But anyway. Uh, okay. But okay. So this certainly won't help my... my uh, it shouldn't be zero because they actually are branching off and doing online stuff. They also still have uh, stores open across the country, and many of them are in operation. And at that time, hey, stock, mean, at Amazon the, became a trillion-dollar company with barely being profitable half the time. But that's a, a valid yeah. point. But this at this time last year, uh, GameStop stock. It's a great point. What is GME last year March? The answer to your question is not as big as it should be, but where is it now? So this is GameStop here. Real-time quotes. That's great. I want one year. Yeah, that's what I needed. That's that's the good stuff. Okay. So in March, April of last year, the stock was... $3.80. So at the price of $3.80, where it was last year after the COVID crisis started, that price was too low because it should be worth more. It should not be shorted 140% of the stock, meaning that there are multiple bets against the stock than, than shares that exist. Does that make sense? Well, you should. You sh- I fully agree that it does not make sense that you should be able to short more shares than exist okay there i'm we go. on board there yeah you're on board there so he yeah. finds this glitch and he says that's weird this price is probably a little higher and just for fun andrew let's say the price isn't that much higher let's say it should only be five dollars it mm-hmm. still should be higher than the three dollars and eighty cents that it was at based off of the information that he found so he makes some posts some pretty uh, some pretty legendary posts at this point of what he has done he puts in 
in uh, call options and stock, $53,566 into GameStop at this point because he found said glitch, right? So he puts in his $53,000. Now we move along through the COVID crisis, the, the whole... Uh, election that happened in the fall we get into uh the beginning of this year and on january 25th of 2021 there were two million subscribers so we doubled in about seven months four days later in january 29th 2021 there are five million subscribers in wall street bets Three days later, there are 7 million on January 31st. On February 2nd, there are 8 million. And by February 14th of this year, there are now 9 million uh, different accounts, subscribers to Wall Street Bets. What does that mean? What in the world? How in the world did all this happen? How did we get that many people in there? And who are these people? Well, the main company that was that was shorting uh, more stocks than existed of uh, GameStop was a company called Citadel. Hedge Citadel fund. had yep. been doing what's that? They're a hedge fund. Yeah, they are a hedge fund. Exactly. Citadel Securities, the hedge fund, had been shorting GameStop since the pandemic started last year. Basically, because what they do is they take the company completely under and then they profit off of it. And it's not whether or not the, co the company deserves to live. It's that these hedge funds decided that it didn't and they were going to take it out, a la Toys R Us or other companies that have gone under in the similar fashion where they're just shorted to death while they're on their last legs and it kills them. And then they stand, they, the, those companies who then shorted them stand to profit because the, pro the, the actual share price never rises. So Citadel, what do we want to learn about Citadel? Well, Citadel is, as a company, had some interesting things going on. On April 16, 2015, uh, it was announced that Ben Bernanke will work with Citadel, uh, the $25 billion hedge fund funded by Ken Griffin as a senior advisor. So Citadel has uh, spe a certain specific um, <laughs> former Fed chairman. Yes. Uh, Not just the, any Fed chair. Yeah. yeah. The yeah. Bernanke. The Bernanke is uh, <laughs> consulting with Citadel. Citadel also paid Janet Yellen $337,500 for multiple uh, days uh, speaking in October of 2020. So Citadel has also paid Janet Yellen, you know, $337 million, or excuse me, $337,000 for speaking fees. She also <laughs> made $292,000 in October of 2019 and $180,000 in December of 2019 speaking for Citadel, the hedge fund that shorted James. She is, you know, just so dynamic as a public speaker. Yeah, I mean, clearly you would pay her $300. <laughs> it's like, oh, this is nothing fishy going on here at all. Um, here's 100000 You don't so even have to show up. You're so, so good, we don't even have to actually hear you. Exactly. So then towards the end of January, when we discovered Wall Street Bets is going from, what was my number again? Towards the end of January, we start with 2 million on January 25th. We get to 5 million on the 29th and then 7 million on January 31st. Uh, on January 28th, uh, Robinhood, TD Ameritrade and uh, Carl Schwab, uh, excuse me, <laughs> Carl Schwab, uh, Charles Schwab restrict GameStop trading altogether. 
They also stop uh, most BBC, or excuse me, not BBC, AMC trading, as well as BlackBerry, American Airlines, and a handful of other stops. Well, let me me jump in here, though. Because at the same time, this is when people like me, who are not on Reddit, and we're hearing Um, all about GameStop, Reddit, Wall Street bets, everything constantly. It's all, um, it's on Fox, it's on Fox Business, it's on all, you know, CNBC, it's on all the cable stations, and it is huge on Twitter. Dave Portnoy, Elon Musk, I mean, and constant memes all over the place and everybody's like okay let's go here we go everyone bye 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 on robin hood tomorrow and you know to the moon all this stuff it's all going on and that was the day that they pulled these shenanigans exactly because at that point they start to reach critical mass and everybody starts everybody in our generation who wants to get into stocks downloads robin hood it's literally the day that i bought a share of GameStop stock. Is the 28th? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So the 28th is when everything reaches critical mass. Now, we don't know who, but someone got Robinhood, TD Ameritrade, and Charles Schwab all to restrict those stocks. And Robinhood, in some cases, actually started selling off some people's stocks Mm -hmm. that had a little bit in it, and which is why um, it also comes out later that Robinhood was selling users' data to hedge funds. Uh, But yet this... uh, and, clip and by restricting, not just this stock is off limits, it's frozen. No, no, it's no. Frozen. You can and, and sell it, but you can't buy yep. it. Yep. You can't buy it. You can sell GameStop, you can sell AMC, you can sell BlackBerry, but you cannot buy them. Uh, TD Ameritrade let people buy GameStop in smaller amounts. I was never actually never taken off. Because I never tried to buy, I guess, a huge amount, but the huge amount people were apparently had to like jump through some hoop, and it basically it did the same thing. It limited them. So I ask you, people that are listening to the show, and Andrew, who in the world has the power to get Robinhood, TD Ameritrade, well, Charles Schwab and TD Ameritrade are now one and the same, to restrict buying on accounts? Who in the world could do such a thing? Well. Let's listen to this guy who came out. This was a day before the GameStop stuff started to hit. This is on Fox Business. Uh, This is kind of a famous analyst, Charles Payne. But Charles was looking at this phenomenon some weeks back. Now, you know, Charles Payne, if you look at the catalyst initially for attention going to GameStop, it was, you know, uh, a a guy who was going to take it to the Internet level, joining the board finding a way to be more than just a brick and mortar concern, look promising uh, enough for Bank of America to say, all right, this is an issue that's worth maybe uh, $10, $15 more a share. Nothing like this. So what happened? Right. Well, Neil, first of all, I got to say, I recommended many of these stocks on January 11th or before. I've got the report in my hand that I sent out to my subscribers, and here's the list. The shorts, first of all, all of this nonsense, all of this noise, all of this wanting by Wall Street, it's making me sick. 
140% of GameStop was short. I didn't hear one person on TV complaining about Wall Street trying to crush GameStop. 140% short. I told my subscribers, buy this stock, and they made a fortune. I also told them to buy Virgin Space, uh, Virgin. We took profits on that today. Fizz, that's up huge. Tangers is up huge. Neil, you can't allow Wall Street to short 75% of a stock, and nobody says anything. Crush these companies into the dirt, and then when the individual investor makes money, everyone's up in arms. Oh, they're going to lose their shirt? Don't you think people are trading? If they traded 80 billion shares a day, people are ringing the register. I have a kid who bought a house. He had he made $50,000 and bought a house. So yes, yeah, some people are going to lose and some are going to win. But if you want to, if they want to change the rules of the game now because the general public is making money after decades of the shorts crushing thousands of stocks into the dirt. I have watched stocks being crushed completely to zero uh, and no one ever whispered anything because those stocks didn't have Wall Street sponsorship. They were small names. Maybe they went public through a reverse takeover. Whatever it was, the shorts have had their way with the market for decades. No one's ever complained about it. So I am thrilled if you are gonna try to destroy a company by shorting 140% of a stock, you have to accept the fact that individual investors are playing the same game that you're playing and now you're losing. That was summed up very, very well. Yeah. Individual investors are now playing the same game that you are and losing. So our guy uh, continues to hold shares in this company as, as or in GameStop in calls as he moves forward. It's also notable that White House Press Secretary Jen Psaki's brother, Jeffrey, is a portfolio manager, manager for Citadel, <laughs> at least allegedly. There is no proof on the Internet to this day about it. I've tried archive.org. I tried everything I could. Mm. But the day Wall Street Bets figures this out, the entire subreddit was taken down, as well as the Discord chat. They posted a link to it. They said, look, at this is Jen Psaki's brother. This is the, his LinkedIn profile. Subreddit completely shut down. Now, did the government come in and shut it down? Did a big security? Did the, the rogue starter of Wall Street Bets come in and shut it down? We don't know. But it comes back online. And like I said before, these numbers are nuts. The numbers just keep going up. The it, the posts are just, you know, is, is anybody a bot? You can't tell anymore when you're in that subreddit because the posts go in 2 million on January 25th. So he just does his screed that we just talked about on the 27th. Two days later on the 29th, as they start to realize, oh, crap, there's a lot of people who are just going to buy shares of this and jack the price up. It's now hit 5 million uh, subscribers. It's more than doubled in four days. So there's just like mass chaos within Wall Street bets, as well as remember at this point, it's going up like it keeps shooting up. It's like all the way up into the 400s. Uh, retail investors. Uh, let's see. So as as they keep going through this, eventually the hedge funds figure out different ways to kind of manage this. And they start with ladder attacks to bring the stock artificially lower. Um, which I'm not even sure how it works, but it basically is like you fake trade the stock um, for a lower price throughout uh, over and over and over and over and over yeah. again, even little bits of the stock. And what it'll do is it actually brings the, the stock down, even though those trades aren't happening. It's one of the, the benefits of the, 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 you know, what is it? What do they call this? The, com the computer calculation. Trading. What's that? Yes. High frequency trading. Exactly. Uh, so it moves into that. So then 
Then everybody starts to get wise. The GameStop uh, stock comes lower. And what does everybody in the news start talking about? Oh, my gosh, these Redditors, they're going to crash the stock market. It's coordinated. This guy's a genius. He got everybody to buy a bunch of stock at the same time as him so he could get rich. This is crazy. I can't believe Robinhood did what they did. So what does the Senate do? Oh, they have a hearing. We're going to have a hearing. And we're going to talk about this. We're going to get all the big wigs like Maxine Waters in here and the, <laughs> and the head of GameStop and the head of uh, Robin Hood and this DFV mysterious guy. Who in the world is he? He's going to take down the stock market. Who is this guy? And pretty much the best possible example I can give you of what this whole thing is about is his testimony, uh, which, of course, was on Zoom because it was in February and everybody was still scared of everything. So we can listen to uh, Deep DFV, otherwise known as Keith Gill, aka Roaring Kitty on Craig's or Roaring Kitty on YouTube, opening statement before Capitol Hill lawmakers. So up until this time, we know that Reddit is full of idiots. Nobody knows what they're doing. These retail investors are doing a pump and dump. They're just trying to rip Wall Street off. They're going to crash <laughs> the economy. The retail investors are out of control. There's something has to be done. Jim Cramer's freaking out on CNBC. Uh, Citadel is actually running ads. There was a weird period where Citadel ran an ad featuring the guy I hate. What's the, the really pretty guy? The guy that's like a complete shill for the New World Order on, oh, know, on yeah, finance. Yeah, yeah. He's on there. He's in, he's in the ad. And in the bottom tagline is Citadel and Melvin covered their uh, stocks or covered their shorts already yeah. for GameStop. You can go ahead and sell. Please. Which is funny because it's ran as an ad. If anybody didn't notice it said ad below there, they'd think it was news. So we go in, and who is this masked villain, this guy who's going to bring down the stock market? Oh, well, let's listen to Keith Gill himself. For McHenry, members of the committee, I'm happy to discuss with the committee my purchases of GameStop shares and my discussions of their fair value on social media. It is true that my investment in that company multiplied in value many times. For that, I feel enormously fortunate. I also believe the current price of the shares demonstrates that I've been right about the company. A few things I am not. I'm not a cat. I am not an institutional investor, nor am I a hedge fund. I do not have clients and I do not provide personalized investment advice for fees or commissions. I'm just an individual whose investment in GameStop and posts on social media were based upon my own research and analysis. I grew up in Brockton, Massachusetts. My family was not wealthy. My father was a truck driver and my mom a registered nurse. I was one of three kids and the first in my family to earn a four year college degree when I graduated from Stonehill College in 2009. That was not a good time to be looking for a job. From 2010 to 2017, I worked at a few startup companies but there were significant periods when I was unemployed. I took an interest in the stock market and even though I had very little money, I used those times to educate myself and learn more about investing. In 2019, after nearly two years unemployed, I accepted a marketing and financial education job at MassMutual. My wife Caroline and I were thrilled that I had an income and benefits. My job was to help develop financial education classes that advisors could present to prospective clients. I was not a stockbroker, or a financial advisor. I did not talk to clients and I did not recommend stocks for them to buy. 
Before and after I joined Mass Mutual, I studied and followed stocks. One of those was GameStop. In early June of 2019, the price of GameStop stock declined below what I thought was its fair value. I invested in GameStop in 2019 and 2020 because as I studied the company, I became more and more confident in my analysis. Two important factors based entirely on publicly available information gave me confidence that GameStop was undervalued. First, the market was underestimating the prospects of GameStop's legacy business and overestimating the likelihood of bankruptcy. I grew up playing video games and shopping at GameStop, and I plan to continue shopping there. GameStop stores still provide real value to consumers and reliable revenue for GameStop. Second, I believe that GameStop has the potential to reinvent itself as the ultimate destination for gamers within the rapidly growing $200 billion gaming industry. GameStop has a unique opportunity to pivot toward a technology-driven business. By embracing the digital economy, GameStop may be able to find new revenue streams that vastly exceed the value of its business. I am hardly the only person who has advocated these points. When I wrote and spoke about GameStop in social media with other individual investors, our conversations were no different from people in a bar or on a golf course or at home talking or arguing about a stock. Hedge funds and other Wall Street firms have teams of analysts working together to compile research and analyze shares of companies. Individual investors do not have those resources. Social media platforms like Reddit, YouTube, and Twitter are leveling the playing field. The idea that I use social media to promote GameStop stock to unwitting investors and influence the market is preposterous. My post did not cause the movement of billions of dollars into GameStop shares. It is tragic that some people lost money and my heart goes out to them. But what happened in January just demonstrates again that investing in public securities is extremely risky. As I said earlier, I consider myself and my family fortunate with our investment. When the stock price broke $20 in December, I knew my investment was a success. I was so happy to visit my family in Brockton for the holidays. The money will go such a long way for us. We had an incredibly difficult 2020. Most difficult was the tragic and unexpected loss of my sister, Sarah, in June. I am grateful to be in a position to give back to and support my family. As for what happened in January, others will have to explain it. It's alarming how little we know about the inner workings of the market. And I am thankful that this committee is examining what happened. I also want to say that I support retail investors right to invest in what they want, when they want. I support the right of individuals to send a message based on how they invest. As for me, I like the stock. I'm as bullish as I've ever been on a potential turnaround for GameStop, and I remain invested in the company. Thank you. Cheers, everyone. Total nut job, right? Like he's just a pump and dumper. <laughs> just total, total nut job. Like completely an, an idiot. He he came off as the smartest person on the call with Congress. Which including, I guess may not be including hard. Including Congress, yeah. Right. <laughs> Which I guess may not be hard to do. I mean, Maxine Waters was leading the questions. Oh, I think Ocasio Cortez was involved. Um, so where are we now? Well, uh, DFE he put his original fifty-three thousand dollars into it on uh, January twenty-seventh of this year. It had reached forty-seven million nine hundred and seventy-three thousand, not two hundred and ninety-eight dollars. But get this, the crazy dude did not sell. 
And so we watched them pull and pull and pull the stock price all the way down. And between around around this point, most of your board retail investors who jumped in at the end, who didn't really understand, who definitely weren't some of the first people on Wall Street bets who kind of understood who this dude was and where he came from, they all got out. Mm-hmm. February 19th, he's down $30 million to $17,317,952. Uh, so he is down in that short period. What the, what is that? Just over 20, 24 days, just over three weeks. He is down $30 million, down to $17 million, but still looking pretty good from his original $53,000. All right up until this week, I think it was actually uh, last Friday, he exercised his last option. So he said this will be the final update. His current uh, value of what he has in his portfolio $34,473,248. The madman has still not sold yet. <laughs> Citadel, meanwhile, had to bail out Melvin Capital. Melvin Capital needed a $2.75 billion bailout because up until this point, up until, where are we? It's my third page here. Melvin Capital is down 7% in March, bringing its quarter one to a 49% loss. <laughs> because don't don't forget, the shorts have already been covered. Guess what? They haven't. They are still draining the hedge funds in Wall Street right now. People are off. Now, here's kind of the weird spot that we've got ourselves all the way to. And that's what kind of got me on this whole uh, uh, <coughs> decision or uh, this whole uh, rabbit trail. And that is that there are actually, at this point, people being offered money to post in Wall Street bets about what stocks to buy. Um, but like to post it as themselves and just say, right. hey, I did this due diligence. And here is the first 50 seconds of a phone call of a female. They're not all just uh, gorillas and apes and autists. And <laughs> the, uh, there's actually a female here who is well known within the Wall Street bets community. And she receives this uh, phone call. Okay, so essentially, um, we're a media agency, and we work exclusively with publicly traded clients, um, and we just advertise for them as far as, like, um, we post on our posting platforms and stuff, but we often reach out to people, you know, on different social media outlets like Reddit and stuff, um, Mm -hmm. just to kind of extend our reach a little bit, because we know that um, these clients are just under the radar, you know, they're not like a NEO or a Tesla they're right. usually um, micro or mid or small cap companies. Um, so we, um, you know, reach out to people such as yourself who um, have, you know, really good accounts and you're knowledgeable about the content. You know, we don't want anyone just talking about anything. Right. Um, but essentially, we'd be looking for you to, we pay you to do like a due diligence post, just, you know, letting people know that this company exists essentially, and then just, um, you know, tell a little bit about them and what they do. And we would all. Oh my, how the turntables. So what's happened here is Wall Street has actually figured out that, oh no, if millions of people get together and start talking about stuff or investing in a certain way, it can change stuff. And so they had all these you know, things that they've done where they panicked and, and got... Uh, uh, Ro- By the way, I don't think Robinhood is ever going to be the same again. Uh, Robinhood, it came out after all that stuff that it was uh, selling data to hedge funds. It was selling user data to hedge funds. So there right. were amazing amounts of people who were dumping Robinhood and heading to other places. Well, uh, when 
whenever the service is quote free, you are the product. Absolutely. <laughs> yeah. So I'd rather pay my 60 cents per trade and not have them sell my data. Uh, many, but not DFV, Mr. Uh, Keith Gill, me and many other people still own GameStop or AMC and know that the, the prices are artificially lowered. These people, like myself, like that dude, I don't have tons of money and I just have a little bit. Uh, but we know that this is going to continue to run costs to hedge funds. And there was countless posts after countless posts back at the height of this whole thing in, in late January talking about the 2009 crisis and how the uh, the hedge funds are all that is wrong with this country and all that is wrong with the financial markets. And this is our chance to finally stick it to them. Um, so that's kind of where we are. Retail invest. So I want you guys all to remember that story when you hear that retail investors are ruining the market and Reddit just doesn't know what it's doing and it's going to crash the, the U.S. economy or the Wall Street's going to come down because... You know, this one guy did a pump and dump with GameStop where the shares should be should be pointless. This was, I don't know where it's going. I don't know how it's going to, to end. But this was just the move of a smart guy who made a couple different choices. He had a little bit of people who started watching him. And you should go back and look at the GameStop post where he, like, posts. He proudly was posting his portfolio, like, you know, a year, 16 months ago. And... Mm -hmm. People are just like, dude, this is the dumbest idea. You'll never get rid of this. And someone's like, you got to post the loss when you lose all this. It's going to be amazing. And just all <laughs> these posts where he just he just truly believed in what he had found. So if you hear anything about the Wall Street Bets movie, don't go see it. If Wall Street Bets crypto coin, don't check it out. Constant posts telling people that, that uh, this, to buy silver, to uh to the silver one was interesting because Citadel stood to profit from the silver one. So there's been all kinds of stuff, and now they're actually paying people for their uh, profiles to post due diligence on the site. Is Wall Street bets going to be something that takes down the global economy? I don't know. I don't think so. But if it does, they're going to say it was all our fault and not the fact that hedge funds have been shorting companies more shares than exist and just completely destroy companies out of nowhere. This is the chance to stop that. This is a chance to see that, hey, AMC G and, and GameStop both have been shorted to oblivion for no apparent reason. GMC and AMC are low, or, or GME and AMC are artificially lowered to a certain cost to keep hedge funds from having to pay too much. But every day that it stays this, this low and people continue to buy shares, it costs them millions of dollars. This continues to go on in an unbelievable game of chicken. And I don't know where it'll end. Hopefully it'll end with the AMC and GME shooting up to the moon. Maybe it ends with SEC investigations and they try and go after everybody. I don't know. But one thing that we can get from all of this, something that should be clear to everyone, especially me. Like, I looked at this. I knew that the stock market was an animal. I knew that it was kind of the whole game was rigged, fiat money, all this stuff. But I didn't know how bad. You mm -hmm. know what I mean? Yeah. I didn't know that like the, the the former Federal Reserve chair was on the board of a hedge fund that's just wiping out company or not on the board, excuse me, is uh, consults with the company that's wiping out companies. I didn't know that Jen Saki's brother is the is the portfolio manager. I didn't know that they could go and shut other, you know, stock buying and selling applications and and brokerages down to keep people from buying things. This is nuts. This is nuts. 
And this is the type of crap that has gone on 50 to 100 years completely unchecked. And now the great internet level the playing field and we can kind of see a little bit of what they're doing. And so, yeah, we're out here buying uh, worthless stock, driving up the price, hoping <laughs> it costs them too much money. So uh, let's uh, let's keep buying AMC, see if we can't get back out and go to the movies. Um, they've, you know, let's see oh, if we can't go to AMC. Go, yeah. Worst. Yeah. Worst. I mean, maybe, maybe it is the worst, but it, of course, it, they the hedge funds took the opportunity I, to short it. It's shorted more than GameStop. I'll probably never go to a movie again. I mean, realistically. Well, masks and vaccine will be required, so you, know, you won't be invited <laughs> yeah. back. Yeah, I know. That's what I'm saying. So, so. anyway, uh, and in all that, I missed the. Uh, Saki dodges the question on the Treasury Secretary recusing themselves from the Robin Hood deal. Of course, Janet yeah, I, Yellen. I should have let you get going on that a long time ago. I'm sorry, Tim, but no worries. All right, man. Well, it was always good to uh, always good to talk to you, and uh, hope that you guys all have a good week. Any words of wisdom with Andrew Hoffman this week? Even Dr. Fauci takes vitamin D. There you go. There you go. That's good words of wisdom. I'll throw that. I'll throw that in the show notes. And uh, we have a new segment, Tips with Tim. We'll do Tips with Tim at the end of the show, too. And I got this one for everybody. Your physical health greatly affects your mental health. So get out, go for a walk, do some exercise. Hope everybody has a great week, and we'll talk to you next week. A copy of this podcast, as well as links to each story covered, are available at revelationsradionews.com. To contact Andrew and Tim or to support Revelations Radio News, please visit revelationsradionews.com and click on the Contact tab or Support tab. Please check out the other podcasts at revelationsradionetwork.com and thank you for your support of this podcast. Don't you say Taylor, you want to follow up? Yeah. Um, so you're holding the autobiography of Malcolm X along with Alex Haley. I don't know how far you are into the book, but what's your biggest takeaway so far? Um, I kind of just started a couple of days ago, um, but um, I've read and a lot of a lot of notes over the years. Um, it's my first time actually reading this from start to finish. Um, but just a very um, very smart man, very 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 smart man, and basically. Um, his words in the in the sixties and uh, and what was going on is actually what's going on today. Still, uh, him understanding the um, how powerful um, the Negro can be. He used that word a lot. How powerful we are, um, but we have to unite and uh, we have to be together. We have to stand strong because there's always going to be obstacles. There's always going to be um, you know, things that's going to be thrown at us where they try to weaken us, um, they try to fill up, make us feel like we're not kings and queens. Um, and it's going to come from all, you know, different races and different shapes and sizes and things of that nature. Um, and uh, just a very powerful-minded uh, gentleman. And, um, 
and it's it's unbelievable to to kind of read something that's coming directly from him. Um, I just hate. Uh, wish I had an opportunity to meet him. Obviously, we know what, what, what the situation that happened among not only him but Dr. Martin Luther King, some of the greats that's ever walked this uh, face of the earth, not only just here in America but in uh, this face of the earth. So. It's a pretty, pretty interesting book so far. I have no idea what you're talking about.